0: It's been a full year since we last did this here on the Bills Beat, but it has returned. The second annual. Yeah, I'm gonna call it annual because I think we should do it again next year, and maybe the year after that. The second annual pod mock. Yes, it is exactly as ridiculous as it sounds. We will be mock drafting uh the the first round. This year, not the entire first round, because while it was Fun for us, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that the percentage of people that listen from pick one through pick 32 probably dwindle down to in the 20% range. So this year, we're going to go all the way through the Bills pick at ninth overall. Then we're going to... We, we'll do the top 15, just because I think in the top 15, those uh, those teams are interesting in terms of trading up and, and things that could happen along those lines, but... This year, it will be uh, Matthew Fairburn and I. Tyler Dunn is on vacation. Boo him.
1: He ba- backed out. He was too afraid. What a guy. Yeah, uh, The no, I'm just pod kidding. mock was too intense for him last year, and he was too afraid to step back into the kitchen. So here we are, just the two of us, the the survivors of the first pod mock. Yep.
0: We uh, we tried to get another third, but he was also out of town. We'll not bring up his name because he might make a uh, – a debut in the in the coming months here. So,
1: or maybe he'll make a debut Thursday night. Who's to say? Yeah. Wow. That I don't know. That might. Tick, to say? That might tick everybody <laughs> off. Um. So, uh, well, it's an episode that everybody's going to want to listen to, <laughs> and so they won't have a choice. Right. Fair. Uh. All right.
0: So here's how it goes. Um. Matthew and I each have a handful of teams. Matthew has eight teams in total. I have seven teams in total. And uh, we'll go from one through 15. Uh, Just to be transparent, here's who has each pick. I have the top pick with the Arizona Cardinals. Then Matthew Fairburn has the second pick with the San Francisco 49ers. Then I have the Jets at three. And Fairburn has Oakland and Tampa Bay at four and five, respectively. Then I have the Giants at six. Fairburn, you know, rightfully so, has the Jaguars at seven. Then I have both the Lions and the Bills at 8 and 9. Last year, you had the Bills, I believe, so it's good to vary it up every once in a while. Um, Then Matthew Fairburn has Denver at 10, as well as Cincinnati at 11. Green Bay, I have at 12. Matthew has uh, Miami at 13. I have the Falcons at 14, and then it rounds out with Washington at 15, which Fairburn has. So, shall we get started? The second annual PodMock and it all starts with the Arizona Cardinals who are one of the i don't know it's perhaps backing their way into an innovative theory because they switched up their head coach and they're not really uh they're not really all the way on board with Josh Rosen so basically this pick comes down to either trading down which i wouldn't necessarily think that uh, I wouldn't necessarily rule out that maybe the Raiders might want to make a swing up the board. Maybe all of this was just for them to, to move up to get a quarterback, but I don't know. It 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 kind of feels to me like there has been some undercurrent over the last week or so to try and cast some doubt on this pick, which usually means that the guy we all think is going to go top number
1: one overall is going to go number one overall. So not always though. Last year it was what around Monday or Tuesday of draft week that it was like, Hey, Baker Mayfield might be the number one pick. And it was like, yeah, yeah, right. Adam Schefter. We, but I think about this pick all the way back to, we might've even talked about this on the podcast. I think about it all the way back to one of the first days of the off season when, Adam Schefter said, sort of, you know, sneakily, as he tends to do on Mm -hmm. television, that, hey, watch out for maybe the Cardinals picking Kyler Murray number one and trading Josh Rosen, and everybody kind of went crazy. Yep. And as the months went by, it became the consensus. It's not to say that it will happen for sure, but they always have to have some doubt, don't they?
0: Don't you dare tell that to Todd McShay, who on a conference call— um, according to Trevor Sykema of the uh, of the Draft Network, who was tweeting out some of the highlights, Todd McShay said he believes uh, Kyler Murray will go to the Arizona Cardinals, and he's 99.9% sure about it. Mm, but
1: there's always that there's point always one. There's always that point one. You're right. I believe Pete Prisco came out this week and said it will not happen. Well, so some... who do you trust more, Pete Prisco or Todd McShay? Somebody... That's a—, that's a tough one (laughs) yeah somebody's gotta gotta be wrong in this for instance so if it's not
0: Kyler Murray you know Nick Bosa is a name that has been bandied about and Williams is someone that would fit them quite well though I think we're all just kind of moving around the deck chairs so to speak this is I think this is uh, locked in 99.9% no I'm just kidding um, my mock draft pick as Steve Keim of the Arizona Cardinals is, uh, is, I I think this has been my mock draft pick for them. Each of each one of mine. And so I'm going to, I'm going to stand pat with the first overall pick the Arizona Cardinals select because no one wants to trade with us. Kyler Murray of, uh, of Oklahoma, the quarterback and let the bidding war. If there is one for Josh Rosen begin, this is if, if we're being honest, this is so shitty for Josh Rosen. I mean, he's still a good player, right? And, or a Maybe. good a good prospect, at least. And he got thrown in to just a, an awful situation. You know, he, he'll probably get dealt. And the way that they've kind of not given him much of anything publicly uh, has just kind of left a
1: sour taste and, and how It was they, not in their first schedule release video that they tweeted out. <laughs> and then when that was pointed out and made the rounds, they made another one the next day and included him in there. Right. I mean, they've just kind of ham-fisted this from the start. I think that's the reason why Kyler Murray seems to be such an odds-on favorite to be this pick, because how do you go back to Josh Rosen at this point? I think he has sort of the... The mental makeup to deal with it and I handle it yeah. and we don't know what's gone on behind closed doors in terms of cliff kingsbury maybe you know showing some some quiet confidence in him behind closed doors steve kime is the one who's kind of bungled this it seems like and it, he's a guy that um, has stayed employed against all odds despite butchering that roster in recent years so Maybe it's for the best for Josh Rosen to get out of there and and find a new home. I think if you're any other NFL team, a third-round pick for Josh Rosen is kind of a steal. Yeah, go do Uh, it. I mean, at the very least, it's a a nice lottery ticket to have. And we've talked about the value of third-round picks can get a little bit dicey. Why not have a guy like Josh Rosen who I think if he was in this draft class, he's probably— a top ten pick. Probably I was say, one of the first. Is, is he the Cardinals pick? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, obviously he he had a lot of um teams that weren't a big fan of him last year. Yeah. Um, clearly because yeah. he fell in a quarterback needy draft. But I still think there could be something there. Um I he was not good last year, uh, by any stretch, but he had a bad offensive line. He had uh, not a lot of help at wide receiver, so, and he had a really bad offensive coordinator. So, we'll see what mm-hmm. happens with him. But I think it's an interesting situation for a team, whether it's Washington, Miami, the Patriots, the Chargers. If you're one of those teams that you know needs a a lottery ticket for your quarterback of the future, and you can have you have some time to let this kid develop. Then spending a third-round pick on that, I think is a nice a nice deal. I don't think he's ruined yet. No, it's just a matter not. of um, finding the right fit and and seeing if if he can develop. But it, it's interesting comparing this to conversations we were having last year. I think we both thought he was the best quarterback in that draft, mm-hmm. and and now it's looking like his long-term outlook is the most dicey out of, of all the guys in that class, until depending he goes, where he went. Yeah, so. until he goes to
0: a new situation. And of the teams you mentioned, the one that I think would be the best possible for him, and Bill's fans won't want to hear it, the Patriots.
1: I mean, That's, isn't that the best possible landing spot for any young quarterback? I mean, they've,
0: they've got two second-round picks, so they can do away with one if they really want to. You know, they th- this is a team that has... I think they have a ton of draft capital this year. Uh, let me just see. They've got three third rounders. They've got a the third rounder. third round pick
1: might be the asking price on Josh Rosen. So and I think that's where you know the Cardinals have tried to play this a certain way, but I don't know that you know they've you know played poker properly to the point where they're going to get maximum value for Josh Rosen. At this point, it seems like. A third round pick might end up being all they get, which isn't, you know, a good return on investment after spending what they spent to get them last year.
0: Yep. So, uh, first overall pick, Kyler Murray heads to the Arizona Cardinals, and we'll see what happens with Josh Rosen. So, that leads us to second overall, San Francisco. And Matthew Fairburn, you are um, on
1: the clock. I think the first two picks of this draft are fairly straightforward. Uh, I don't envision the San Francisco 49ers trading this pick. I think Nick Bosa is probably considered by quite a few people to be the best player in this draft. And um, I think it's a pretty easy pick. John Lynch wasn't even um, all that secretive about uh, thinking Nick Bosa, you know, is a one of the best players in this draft and a quality person in terms of when they met him. So I'm going to say that's a pretty easy pick. For the 49ers to make and and really the top two picks, as much as the drama is trying to be stirred up uh, in in draft land, I think it's mm-hmm. probably going Kyler Murray and Nick Bosa one two.
0: Well, yeah, and I, I think yeah, that that's probably how it's going to go. There's some late energy for Quinn and Williams. He's kind of the it guy of this draft. Um, what, but it seems like. The way it should go is Murray 1, Bosa 2. But this Williams stuff, I know I, I saw the Niners get linked to both Bosa and Quinnen Williams, um, that they really like Quinnen Williams. Williams is probably a better fit for their defense than Bosa, but at that point, Bosa, how can you ignore the talent that he is? I think what is... what is. Uh, happening with a lot of these teams in the top five is that they're just trying to stir up deals however they can to get a ransom and I don't know that they're going to be successful but that's probably the reason why uh, we have uh, why we have uh, Quinnen and Williams and um, Ed Oliver making some major waves uh, as we get closer to the actual draft which leads us to the pick that the Jets are trying to have define the rest of the draft. And that they have the third overall selection. And when you have the Jets, who need an edge rusher, but don't seem to be particularly enthralled with Josh Allen, uh, the pass rusher out of Kentucky. Um, and then you have, let's see, Quinn and Williams there, Ed Oliver there. But it feels like they've taken... A defensive lineman, an interior defensive lineman, all, so many years in a row. Even though they haven't, it just feels that way. Like Leonard Williams, Sheldon Richardson, Muhammad Wilkerson, like all three of them. That that's kind of their identity of what of what they do in the actual NFL draft, and uh, that that's why it's very intriguing to see what they do now. They haven't been shy about the fact that they are trying to get someone to trade up in into third overall, but. When you look at that draft value chart, if that's how you assess trades, which most of the league does, and they, they, they make some exceptions here and there, but most of the league doesn't, to get up to three, it is next to impossible from, let's say, let's just take where the bills are, for, for instance. You're going to have to give up next year's first round pick to do it, basically. And that is going to be a non-starter for a lot of teams. So that really limits the pool of teams that would be willing to go do it. And then there's the secondary matter of who would actually trade up to that spot for a non-quarterback to give up all of those assets or that precious of an asset to move up to get a defensive lineman or a pass rusher. That's why, it's to me, it's very interesting over the last week or so there has been all of this Ed Oliver buzz for the Jets, right? I mean, that I think the first person I I saw having the Jets take Oliver was Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com, and at the first first time I saw that, I'm like, wait, what? And then the explanation was, oh, Greg Williams would love this guy, which my first inclination was, why the hell are you letting Greg Williams make a pick? First That's off. It
1: fantastic question
0: and secondly why is all of this uh ed oliver stuff happening right now and the only sense of it that i that i can make is the jets are so desperate to move out of that spot because they want to come away with this draft a lot better than than they are they don't have a second round pick because they traded that to indianapolis as part of the sam darnold deal and they're, they have a long wait between three and their third round pick. So to me, how do you drum up dra- trade interest? Oh, let's just throw the hottest name in the draft right now, Ed Oliver, to see if uh, somebody can move up when it's probably not going to happen. And I'll tell you what, the Raiders sitting there at four probably think and go, okay, do whatever you need to do. We're, we're, we're good here at four. So if if somebody wants Ed Oliver or Quentin Williams, move up to the Jets and go get them. But I I think the Jets will be unsuccessful. Um, I will put this pick out there for the trade universe, although I don't think there will be any
1: takers. Am am I correct on that? Yeah, I don't think there's any reason for a team to move up with, like you said, the cost for a non-quarterback. It it wouldn't make sense, especially when you look at some of the teams that are picking – Directly behind them, sure. Would Jacksonville, you know, want Ed Oliver if he's there? Yeah, probably. Or Quinn and Williams. But you know, teams like Tampa and Oakland, I think, are willing to take what falls to them. Especially yeah. Oakland with their multiple first-round picks, they're going to be able to fill a lot of needs, and they don't have to feel desperate about trying to get up a couple of spots just to get uh, a particular player.
0: Yeah. So. All that said, the Jets are probably going to have to be stuck in this pick. I don't think it's going to be Josh Allen. I know all of the Ed Oliver stuff is out there, but I'm not buying it. I'm really not. So with the third overall pick, my name is Mike McCagnan, and the New York Jets are selecting Quinton Williams, the defensive lineman out of Alabama. I know they have Leonard Williams. I know the scheme that they're trying to run. You put that guy in, you figure it out, and he has the the ability to play a little five-tech for if you want. He can play on the nose. He can, he can do a little bit of everything. So Quinton Williams, the pick to three uh, to the Jets, and um, they get a dynamite player even though they're trying desperately to move out, and it might end up being the, the best thing for them that they weren't able to move out because he's, he's really, really freaking good.
1: Yeah, I think he's an easy pick in the top three, and if he starts to fall beyond that, that's when teams might start getting mm-hmm. on the phone to try to trade up and, and see if they can get him. But I, I think he's a a pretty safe bet to land somewhere in the top three picks, if not going to Oakland with the next pick at four. This puts Oakland in an interesting spot, I think. Yeah, you know, it really does. You know, Josh Allen is sitting there and is probably one of the more explosive pass rushers in this class. I think the... News about Montez Sweat um, and his medical condition possibly pushing him down the board might even increase the value of Josh Allen because there could be a pretty significant drop off from him to uh, Burns and and Sweat and the other guys in this class, Farrell included. So I think you know the edge defender makes sense for Oakland, but also Ed Oliver is there, and mm-hmm. Ed Oliver I think. Uh, being one of you know the draft's top prospects, basically from wire to wire, um, he'd also probably factor in here. I think I'm gonna go with Josh Allen uh, simply because of you know the positional value at defensive end. I-, I think is something that they were lacking after they traded Khalil Mack last year. So finding another um, guy that can fit in there makes the most sense for them. But I, I think at Oliver's. Definitely in the conversation and has sort of worked his way back into the top five after, for some reason, you know, becoming, you know, a guy that people were having falling down the board at some point in the process. I think he's also uh, very much in the mix for the Raiders, but I'll go with Josh Allen, the defensive end from Kentucky. Yeah. And
0: the report from Ian Rappaport yesterday about how it could be somewhat of a surprise pick it kind of makes you raise your eyebrows a little bit like Devin White of LSU the linebacker would be would be an interesting one there Um, Ed Oliver is I think part of this as well Uh, you know then you always have to ask have they been just hiding the fact that they're going to take a quarterback this entire time because you know they, they could move on from Derek Carr if they wanted to and maybe a guy like Drew Locke might might interest them or Dwayne Haskins or or somebody it's the Raiders are such the oddball of this draft and anytime you have John Gruden and a decade plus TV draft analyst running the draft you have no clue what is going to happen at fourth overall.
1: Drew Locke is very much John Gruden's cup of tea Uh, in a lot of ways he was uh, smitten with him at the Senior Bowl, to say the least, when they coached him. And when it comes to surprise picks, sending your scouts away mm-hmm. because you're afraid of um, you know stuff getting out there, quarterback could very much be that. My question with Drew Locke has it has really been: Are do teams feel like they need to get him in the top five? Do they feel like they need to get him in the top ten? Or because two teams that are very much going to be in the mix are going to be Oakland and the New York Giants, and they both have a second first-round pick. Mm-hmm. And are, are they going to try to get cute and wait until one of those picks or package a couple of picks and move up from that second spot instead of spending their top 10 pick? That's what this quarterback class is starting to look like to me in terms of Kyler Murray could go one, maybe Dwayne Haskins is a top 10 pick. And then Drew Locke and Daniel Jones. Teams are going to kind of jockey for position in the the mid to late first round to try to get their hands on one of those guys. I think Drew Locke could could be a top ten pick. I just don't think the interest from the Broncos is serious enough to the point where teams are going to feel like they need to pick him in the top ten. And that's the difference between this year and last year. Yeah,
0: the only the only counter argument to not taking your quarterback there is a if you believe so strongly in him why wouldn't you take him with your first pick? Uh, And secondly, are you running the risk of getting too cute? And, you know, let's say they do try to move back up in the first round from 24 where they are. Uh, Let's say they try and move 24 and 35 or even 24 and 27 and move back into the top 10 or, or right in that realm. I think to be safe, you would want to be ahead of... The slew of teams right there: the Broncos, the Bengals, uh, the Dolphins, and Washington. I mean, that is a pretty legitimate four-pack of teams. And that, the
1: Packers. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, know that, I don't know that you rule them completely out right. of the quarterback right. derby. Same goes for you know teams like the Steelers and the Chargers. I think the argument to be made for waiting is if you get that quarterback outside of the top ten his fifth-year option becomes significantly cheaper. True. And is that getting too cute? Maybe, but if you really have done your homework and you don't think Drew Locke is going in the top 10 picks and you feel like you can get him in the teens, then it ends up being kind of a savvy move. I mean, if the Raiders come out of this draft with either Josh Allen or Ed Oliver or and Williams at four and Drew Locke later on, I mean, and then are able to trade Derek Carr for a day two pick or... Maybe more. Does does Derek yeah. Carr fetch more than that? Maybe he does. I don't know. With that contract? And, maybe not. Yeah. So but either way, coming away with Drew Locke, one of those top defensive linemen, and then whoever else they can get with the third first round pick, assuming they don't have to move it, and then, you know, collecting another pick for Derek Carr, all of a sudden you might view them as a little less crazy than you thought. Right. Uh, you know, when they were trading away all these players and, and trying to restock the cupboard. I I think Drew Locke could end up being the best quarterback of the bunch, and um, he to me is the most interesting story in the first round because I think where the second quarterback, second or third quarterback, goes could tell the story of how this whole thing unfolds.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, however, I will say this: this Oakland stuff reminds me an awful lot about Jacksonville with Blake Bortles. Chicago with Mitchell Trubisky. Not being linked to those players at any point leading up to it. Like Chicago, if you remember, was all defense, 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 defense. Oh, they're going to take the best defender on on there. They're going to punt on quarterback this year. Nope. Mitchell Trubisky. There he is. What was he, third overall? I think they even moved up a spot to get him. Right. To secure him. So, I don't know. I, I would not be shocked if Oakland takes Drew Locke or Dwayne Haskins. I would think Locke based on what Mayock and Gruden value
1: in quarterbacks. Um, But yeah, I think Drew Locke in a meeting room with John Gruden was probably, you know, one of the happier moments of John Gruden's (laughs) life. I mean, they're a personality match and that's sort of been what's driving Drew Locke throughout this process. Why he's sort of aced it is because he's good in those meetings and, that's a big part of quarterback evaluation. I think where the Raiders could end up being almost like the Browns, the Johnny Manziel year, you know, when you had so many picks that you felt like you could get a little mm-hmm. bit cute and wait, if you really believe it, it, all depends on doing your homework and feeling comfortable in where you think these guys are going to go. Because if you, if you're afraid that the giants are going to pick them in the top 10 or somebody's going to trade up with the bills and take, take him in the top 10, then you can't really get too cute, and, and you have to take him at four, which is might be high for Drew Locke uh, in, in some people's minds, but I know there's some people who would say that's right about where he should go.
0: Yeah, so don't be surprised um, because the o- Oakland can absolutely uh, make this into quite a uh, quite a, an event on Thursday evening if, if they choose to go that way. And okay. if
1: you're going to take advantage of Antonio Brown... Yeah. I don't know if Derek Carr is the guy to do it to, right. the, to the fullest extent. And right. and you've only got so much of a window left with Antonio Brown being at, at the top of his game. So, you know, the arm strength of Drew Locke would be an appealing trait for am John I, Gruden.
0: Am I talking you in, into it? It,
1: c- it could happen. I, but, I, I think it definitely could happen. That was the first thing I thought technically, of. Typically I still have Oakland's two first-round picks. That, that's and true. we're going all the way to 15, so <laughs> we'll see what happens. Well, the...
0: The moment Ian's tweet came out about that, the immediate thing I thought I was like, are they going to take a quarterback at four? Is that is that what they're going to do? I, it, it's Gruden. Never know. It's Gruden. Because, yeah, they need pass rushers and they need defensive linemen. They do. They need linebackers. They need a cornerback. They need a little bit of everything. But, you know what they can also get later in the draft? Defensive linemen. Defensive tackles.
1: I don't know. And Gruden has know. the final call. And so something about- that's where you know things could get pretty weird. I saw a great clip of Aqib Talib getting drafted, um, the phone call. Um, NFL Films or something tweeted it out. And Gruden's on the phone and at one point says to Aqib Talib, and I'm not sure that we can be convinced that John Gruden was joking. He said, I'm going to try to talk the GM into it, but you're going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And it was like, he's probably not kidding. He probably is mm-hmm. just railroading this and picking the guy that he wants and hoping that the GM's okay with it. And I think that's basically what's going to happen um, with these three first-round picks. Um, yeah, it could get interesting. Uh, if they mm-hmm. And taking Drew Locke at four you know, could be the smart move depending on, 100%, depending on what you think Dave Gettleman is up to. And Dave Gettleman, he's not the type of guy that Throws up, you know. It seems like what he says is sort of what he means a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. I know he said they didn't sign Odell Beckham to trade him, and then they traded him. But he was pretty open about the fact that Saquon Barkley was going to be the pick. You know, if you saw his quotes last year, and so he's been beating the drum that Eli Manning has a couple years left in him, and so you know that might be enough to convince you that they're not going to take. Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. a quarterback that high, but he also did a lot of work on the quarterbacks, which is not typically the way that he operates. He's not, you know, Brandon Bean told me that Dave Gettleman was not the type of guy that was on the road all the time during the college season, usually saved that college scouting until after free agency, which is kind of asinine, but that's what he did in Carolina, which left it to a lot of the college scouting guys to take care of during the season. But this year, Gettleman was on the road at college games of all the top quarterbacks. So I think that's worth monitoring mm-hmm. depending on, you know, but there's also, you know, reports out there that they maybe have Daniel Jones sitting at the top of their quarterback yeah. board. So he's, he's a,
0: well, a it wasn't, card. it wasn't mentioned by name. I think it was Charles Robinson. He said, uh, the Giants have someone different uh on top of their quarterback board, and you all know exactly who it is. So everyone put, you know, three and three together there. Um, okay, so the Raiders take Josh Allen. We move on to Tampa Bay, owned by Matthew Fairburn at fifth overall. And uh, before you get started there, Matthew Fairburn, uh, Brandon Bean of the Buffalo Bills over here would uh, would like to discuss terms of, of a potential trade, if if that would be all right with you.
1: Yeah, I'm always open to offers and uh you know as long as we can we stick to the chart and get fair value I don't see why we we wouldn't be willing to move uh down to 9. All right.
0: Well, well here's here's something that I've been uh that I've been cooking up for you. You know, we're down about 3 250 points to to get to you. So, what if we uh actually no more than that 350 we're down 350 points to get to you so what if we give you 74 112 and we'll give you
1: a uh, next year's fourth round pick how do you like it i think it's a start it gets us you know close my my issue is mainly the fact that Ed Oliver is staring me in the face mm. and Gerald McCoy is getting pretty old. Mm. And so it's a little tough uh, to to sit here and, and pass up on a talent like Ed Oliver without getting a, a second round pick in return. And, you know, that's probably where I, w- I would lean is, is trying to get either a two this year or a two next year um, to kind of, tilt this in my direction so that, you know, I don't pass up on a generational player like Ed Oliver.
0: Well, we're trying to avoid uh, doing away with the two altogether. And because we feel like we can get a really good player at at 40th overall. And, um, you know, that would feel like we're sacrificing our draft a little bit to do it. Um, So what if rather than what we'll do, 74, 112, and next year's third rather than next year's fourth. How about that? Does that
1: do a, a turkey? I still think, you know, moving back four spots, there's a potential that we miss out on, not just Ed Oliver, but one of these linebackers that we really like. Don't think I could move back. If Ed Oliver had been taken, you probably had a deal. Uh, but I think we're going to stay put, and, and we're going to draft Houston defensive tackle at Oliver – uh, as the heir apparent to Gerald McCoy, he's just too good to pass up. We've got him as one of the top players in this draft, and moving back would we would risk uh, you know losing a, a game changing player on defense. Um, you know we're we're a little worried. We've got two guys at the top of our board. Moving back four spots could really put us in jeopardy of losing one of those guys, but it was close you know we made made a good deal last year but can't yeah. get it done this year
0: all right that, that's fair so Ed Oliver goes uh fifth overall to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers not without some effort from Brandon Bean which I think will be fairly uh close to how this thing might play out if Ed Oliver is on the board at five I think that's the time when when uh, the bills start to really think about or at least put the calls in place to try and move up to get him uh, so Ed Oliver off the board at uh, at fifth. Overall. All right, next up, the New York Giants. We've talked an awful lot about Dave Gettleman, his draft philosophy, his draft strategy, and uh, and not really understanding what they're doing um, this offseason, or really last offseason, if we're being honest. Uh, I have the New York Giants pick at sixth overall. And since I am Dave Gettleman, I'm not even going to think about offers. No, sir. None. You know, if Montez Sweat didn't have the... the uh, Pre-existing heart condition. Maybe we think about him here. Feels it, like it's a little bit too early for Brian Burns, the edge rusher from uh, from Florida State, and not really sure that he fits the, the the type of guy that I'm looking for anyway. As Dave Gettleman um, could look at Juwan Taylor here, the offensive tackle out of out of Florida, um, and you know, quarterback is is obviously in a something we're considering as well, but you know. We do like Daniel Jones, and I don't think there's many others that like him as much as we do. So, I'll tell you what the Giants need. This is me being Dave Gettleman. I'll tell you what we need. We need a big hog molly on on the defense. And this might be a surprise to some of you. But with the sixth overall pick, the New York Giants select Christian Wilkins out of Clemson, the defensive tackle.
1: I I feel like... He has the potential to go in the top 10. Uh, I've seen him as a, a top 10 prospect in a lot of places. He is probably the next best three technique uh, after, you know, Quinn and Williams and Ed Oliver. Mm-hmm. So is there a drop off there? Sure, but yeah, is, it, there is-, is it significant? Um, it's probably not as significant. Uh, it depends who you ask, obviously, but I think Christian Wilkins um, is gonna be on on the radar for the bills if they move back but um it's possible somebody grabs him in the top 10 like like dave gettleman
0: yeah i i think there's a few things that worked against the giants with this pick the first being montez sweats uh heart condition um gary's shoulder i think also does not benefit them there and it while there is still depth to this class, it seems like the, the high-end talent is kind of hard to come by uh, along the defensive line. And I I think it, they're hoping upon all hope that Josh Allen gets down to them at sixth overall, which I do think is a possibility. Uh, but since he is off the board, uh, Christian Wilkins, to me, just seems like a, a Dave Gettleman guy. I mean, perfect fit for that uh, that defensive tackle role for them. He loves drafting D line early. Uh, it just it all it all kind of makes sense to me with with them. So yeah, Christian Wilkins, six overall, and now on the clock, Matthew Fairburn
1: and the vaunted Jacksonville Jaguars. Take it away, the Duggernaut, the Duggernaut, uh, Doug Marone and the Jacksonville Jaguars once again picking in the top ten. A place they're very comfortable uh, picking. They've picked their seemingly every year uh, outside of last year. So. Um, An interesting spot for them. I think offensive tackle would make a lot of sense. They had so many injuries on the offensive line last year. And, you know, this is where I think this is an interesting spot in the draft for the Bills, not just because, you know, these are, you know, Jacksonville and Detroit are the two teams picking directly in front of them, but they've been tied to a lot of the same players. Um, If Ed Oliver's on the board, you know, either Jacksonville or Detroit could could pluck them at seven and eight offensive line. Same thing. I think they're both in the mix for offensive linemen and same goes for TJ Hawkinson. So it becomes a little bit of a dicey spot for Buffalo.
0: Yeah, it certainly does. And um, before
1: uh, Tom,
0: Doug or Dave, whichever one I'm talking to here, before you, you go and do anything crazy here, Brian Gutekunst of, of the Packers here, uh, wondering if you, you would like to
1: maybe move down to 12. Would that be something you're, you're into? we'd absolutely be open to moving to 12 because there are a few guys, we have one guy sitting at the top of our board, but we've got a few guys that are very closely graded. We feel like we could probably, uh, you know, fill a number of needs with this pick moving down five spots. Doesn't worry us a whole, a whole lot, even with Detroit and Buffalo potentially eyeing up some of the same players. Uh, we, We need, you know, the more picks, the better. Our cap situation is about to get a little bit dicey and, and we need some cheap young talent in the building.
0: All right. Well, uh, what if, what if we do a little bit of this here? What if we'll give you 44, which is our second round pick, and you flip your very nice 69th overall selection in the third round? Just little flip. We flip up five spots now. You flip up 25 spots um, in the second round from a third round to a second round.
1: Yeah, I think that's a deal. We're looking to, you know, get as many of these picks in the top fifty as we can get, and you know, I, I don't think there's a big drop off from seven to twelve, and so yeah, we'll we'll move back, we'll collect some some picks and see what see what the board has in store for us at twelve.
0: And some of the uh, the thinking here behind Green Bay's uh, strategy, they have a another first round pick, so it's not as though they're they're going to be missing out on, on an entire tier of player. Um, They still have their third-round pick at 75, so this will give them 7, 30, 69, and 75, which I think is pretty solid for them, especially with what they're trying to do. So, and the other motivation here for the Packers is because if they don't strike, then a guy that I think they covet is going to go right next door to Detroit. So, with the seventh overall selection, the Green Bay Packers select TJ Hawkinson, the tight end out of Iowa, to give... Aaron Rodgers, his three-down tight end to mold with, to to run with, and and he becomes their guy um, moving forward to finally
1: put Jimmy Graham into a complementary role. Yeah, I think Hawkinson is going to be in play for every team from 7 to 12, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I mean... Maybe with the exception of the Bengals, but even even they could be in the mix. Um, I wouldn't rule them out at all. So I I think it's possible that a a trade scenario would would present itself. I I think that's a guy that is starting to, you know, there's a lot of arguments made about whether tight end is worth it in the top 10, but he's a complete enough player where I think somebody's going to bite the bullet and do it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Jonah Williams probably would have been the pick if I had stayed put, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how the board falls. I don't think he'll make it to 12, but there's enough offensive tackle talent that I think moving back isn't a tremendous risk for the Jaguars. Yeah, and the
0: Jags improved their third-round pick to a second-round pick. Now they have two second-round picks, and they still have a third-round pick because they and have 98th overall, good,
1: 98th. There's good offensive tackle talent available in the second round as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, especially at the top. So a calculated risk, but one I think that sets up the Jaguars for, uh, you know, adding a few talented players early in this draft.
0: All right. So next up we have the Detroit lions who are on the clock at eighth overall. And that, uh, that pick is owned by yours truly. Um, so Detroit could be looking at a number of things here. I mean, they, they would have liked to be in the TJ Hawkinson Derby. I think, um, One guy who does a tremendous job on the Lions beat is Dave Burkett. And I think he's written about like five or six articles about TJ Hawkinson. So (laughs) there's, there might be some smoke there, Um, fire there, I should say. Uh, But they could also use Ed Rusher. So Brian Burns might be in play, linebacker, Devin White might be in play. But I also feel like this is a team that would be mighty interested in in moving down. Um, Just doesn't seem like... it doesn't seem like they have any one need that that really stands out above above all else. So if there's there's a team out there that's looking to get up, maybe snag your quarterback ahead of uh, Denver, the De- slew of Denver, Cincinnati, uh, Miami tier, I'm all ears. Or if you're Miami or Washington, we're, we're here. But hey, that's uh, that's another that it would probably cost that team because there's one player out there that that. Quite honestly, we here at the Lions didn't
1: expect to be there. See, there's the problem I would have if I'm Miami or I'm Washington. First off, I'm not convinced that Miami's going to take a quarterback. Me neither. Because I think they might be eyeing the 2020 class, uh, and they might be going full-on tank mode. Read Armando Salguero anything. They want 2020 everything. And so I don't think they're serious players for a quarterback. Washington, I think, is willing to be – somewhat patient in that regard as well are they gonna jump it it depends on how seriously people think Denver and Cincinnati are looking at quarterbacks but with two and maybe three you know you can make an argument three good ones still on the board uh, I think it's okay to wait Mm -hmm. at least at least another pick because the Bills will be sitting there at nine potentially looking to move back as well so I think Detroit might get stuck here yeah,
0: I think they would, but I, I don't know that it's necessarily a problem for them the way that our draft is is trending. Because with the eighth overall selection, uh, the Matt Patricia's select Devin White, the linebacker out of LSU, guy that I don't think if if I had to peg the draft, I probably think he's gone in the top five. But man. Again, the Raiders hold the key to everything, so if they end up going
1: quarterback at four, then... It all depends that, if Ed Oliver's there for the Bucks at five because I feel like that could be too good for them to pass up. I might but even think they, they pass on Oliver for Devin White. That's the might, thing. Yeah, it, it could definitely happen that way. To me, I feel like Ed Oliver's too good for them to pass up, especially with the way they've kind of seemingly distanced themselves from Gerald McCoy and he's getting older yeah it seems like it would be too good but Devin White has a lot of fans uh, out there and for good reason he's he's a really good linebacker that you know you always see one of those guys kind of creep into the the top 10 area we saw it with Roquan Smith last year so he's gonna be in the mix uh, for some of these teams uh, picking early and you know it probably starts with the Buccaneers at five. Yeah. So
0: that brings us to the Buffalo Bills who are, who's sitting there at ninth overall. And, uh, this is, this is a board that didn't go exactly the way they wanted it to. I mean, Ed Oliver's gone, which I think he's probably the top guy that that, that they want. Realistically speaking, um, TJ Hawkinson's gone. Christian Wilkins is gone. If you had any thought that maybe he's, uh, He's in their uh, mode of thinking here. Um, So then that brings us to guys like Jawan Taylor from Florida, the the offensive tackle. Um, You know, there was some thought early on about D.K. Metcalf, though I think we're both in agreement that uh, that's that's probably not going to happen and that might be far too early for, for him to be selected. Montez Sweat has the condition now to where, hey, maybe the Bills are... On the board at 40, maybe he's still there. Who knows? I wouldn't rule it out. Um, Brian Burns, the edge guy from Florida State, he's someone maybe, just maybe. uh, Noah Fant from Iowa. Uh, I mean, this is, uh, if we're looking non-offensive linemen, maybe he's someone that they think about. But unless there is someone willing to move up to either take a QB or to try and Get Devin Bush ahead of Denver or Cincinnati. Can um, then this is probably a pick that ends up going O line. And with due respect to Jawan Taylor, I don't think this is a this is the way that uh, that uh, the Bills want to go with him. I you know not having the flexibility to potentially play left tackle I think might be a non starter for them. Um, plus the fact when you have a couple of guys who are graded similarly to him in Jonah Williams and Andre Dillard, they um, both have that flexibility to play left tackle as well. However, if I had to pick right now between the two, at at ninth overall, the Buffalo Bills select Jonah Williams, the offensive tackle, left tackle, right tackle, guard, who knows? um, But with the idea of taking him to play him at left tackle be the uh the Stradivarius man that uh, that they want him to be the locker room leader um the the very self-aware self-scouted Jonah Williams um the way that this board has played out and heck even if um it plays out a bit differently i wonder if maybe Jonah Williams is is the guy uh, ahead of if if Ed Oliver and Quinnen Williams are Past, maybe Jonah Williams is the guy. So with the ninth overall selection, uh, I have the Bills taking Jonah Williams, the left tackle out of Alabama. And then that brings on the Deion Dawkins debate about what to do with him. But we'll get into that a different date if it actually happens.
1: Yeah, I have in my only mock draft, I have the Bills taking Jonah Williams. I, I think he's the most likely to be on the board. Um, out of Ed Oliver, T.J. Hawkinson, and Jonah Williams. I I think Williams is probably the most likely to still be there. And there's so much about him that that fits in with what they're doing. Brandon Bean has seemingly dropped some hints that they're not done on the offensive line despite Mm -hmm. everybody that they've added there. And I think you just think about how intense that competition would be in training camp and how much better off they'll be look, outside of Mitch Morris, I don't know that anybody is locked into a starting spot on that offensive line. And so you look across the board, they didn't add a ton of big ticket guys, but they added experienced guys who are at the very least going to provide depth and competition during training camp, but they still don't have long-term fixtures anywhere besides center. And so Jonah Williams, even in the worst case scenario where you think of him as a guard, uh, which I think he's a tackle, but you know, even in that worst case scenario, you could argue that you need you know long-term stability there. And so maybe you know I've seen people say that it would be you know admitting a mistake with Deion Dawkins, but Brandon Bean didn't make that mistake. I think even pre-draft people looked at Deion Dawkins as a guard, and so to me. You could be filling two spots if you draft Jonah Williams, put him at left tackle, move Deion Dawkins inside to guard, just create a, a crazy competition during yeah. training camp and make people earn their jobs, whereas last year, they were practically handing starting jobs out because they were so thin. But make
0: no mistake, if Jonah Williams is ninth overall, there is a
1: hard lean for him being the starting left tackle. Absolutely. Day. And I think he's better suited for that role than Deion Dawkins is in terms of, um, you know, maybe, you know, you, you'd think his pass blocking, you know, needs a little bit of work, but I think the way that he studies the game, the way that, um, you know, he improved over the course of time at Alabama, I just think he's a bit more polished uh, even right now than Deion Dawkins is. And so, yeah, I think it's, I think that would be a pick that you got to be, you know, fairly excited about if if you're a Bills fan. I understand, you know, the, the hesitation to double up when you've got Deion Dawkins, but I don't know that you bank on Deion Dawkins being your answer anymore. And maybe he's better suited at guard, and yeah. you unlock a, you know, a, a tandem on the left side of your line that that ends up serving you well for years to come, and that's not a bad situation either.
0: If they end up taking Jonah Williams or Andre Dillard, I think the move here is to push Deion Dawkins inside. I really do, because you sign Ty Secchi and he can be a short-term bridge guy at right tackle, and honestly, with Dawkins, you could throw him over there at right tackle, or you could teach him a position that you think, hey, you know what, maybe he's got a, a better future, potential future here, than trying to force him over on the other side when he had his struggles over the last two seasons at a tackle position. So I think that's probably the play. They have nothing, absolutely nothing, uh, short up uh, along the interior outside of Mitch Morse, like you said. I mean, Quentin Spain, John Feliciano, Wyatt Teller. Who else am I forgetting? Spencer Long. Spencer Long. Like... all four Vlad of the Dukas. can't forget <laughs> him. Sorry, uh, Vlad Dukas is still there. Russell Bodine is still there. I mean, th- those are six options where you're like, okay, who's a starter? I-, I can't tell you one. Spencer Long probably starts at one of the spots, but who's the other starter? Is it Quentin Spain, who's like a fringe starter starting type of guy, the way that he's graded out uh, recently according to Pro Football Focus? Um, John Feliciano has basically been a career backup. Wyatt Teller was okay probably below average last year. So that could be, like, throw Deion Dawkins at left guard and throw Spencer Long at right guard, Ty Inseki at right tackle, Jonah Williams at left
1: tackle, and uh, Mitch Morse at center, and you got yourself a line. Yeah, they talked a lot about changing the attitude on the offensive line, and I'm not sure that that they would be done. You know, I Mm -hmm. think given... Given what we we just talked about with those guys that they added, you know, the main thing for me is creating competition. Yep. And if you move Deion Dawkins inside, you're creating quite the competition for two guard spots. And having depth is not a bad thing, uh, especially on the offensive line. Building the offense the way that they're building it, I think you need a line that can hold up. Longer than most because of the way that Josh Allen plays because of his strengths. So protecting him with a a franchise caliber left tackle. Look, if you think Deion Dawkins could develop into a B minus offensive tackle for you, that might not be good enough, Mm -hmm. you know, and you might be looking to upgrade there. So I I think.
0: Then you would be getting into the territory of what Brandon Bean and company were dealing with in Carolina for years. B minus offensive lineman at an, an, integral positions outside of center I mean they they got
1: by with not great stuff at, at the tackle spots for years yeah so I think to me Jonah Williams makes almost too much sense which probably means it won't happen <laughs> well speaking of too much sense
0: not too much sense you sir have a conglomerate of picks coming up because I do I'm because, on a uh you have not only um not only Denver and Cincinnati, at ten and eleven, but you also have Jacksonville at twelve because of the trade. Then you have Miami at thirteen. So if you need me to broker any trades
1: for you, I'm here. But other than that, take it away, John Elway. What's going on at tenth overall? The phone lines are open at number ten overall, but there's there's a target in mind, and it's not you know who many people think. It's not going to be Drew Lock. Um, you know any team that wants a quarterback can come up here and get one because. That's not the direction that, that we're looking. And so, you know, the problem being I own most of the uh, picks of teams. That if you would, need me to broker them here. However, uh, I think, you know, there's there's a player that, that the Broncos uh, have been linked to uh, and a guy that I think would fill a pretty big need. So I'm taking Devin Bush, uh, the linebacker from Michigan. I, I think he's going to, you know, jump in and start mm-hmm. right away and, you know, the quarterback talk has been been nice but we we got joe flacco all right you know that that that's an elite top line starting quarterback uh a super bowl winner uh, we're ready to chase oh. we're ready to chase the lombardi here in denver so we're going devin bush
0: oh wow
1: you 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 had it up until elite level quarterback
0: <laughs> you really did um so devin bush goes 10th to the broncos i i i agree there i think that's probably the lean which is if, if Devin White ends up going um, in the top five, like maybe we suspect, maybe uh, the Lions at eight would be willing to move down um, for someone to come snap up Devin Bush, maybe maybe the Bills at nine. Although the idea of trading down is, I, I know there was a report out there that they are open to it, but I, I don't know. I'm not seeing them moving down from nine. I'm really not, just because I think they would be robbing themselves potentially of getting a legitimate top tier prospect in this draft if they were to move down I think maybe even any further than 12 uh, and I don't know that anyone from 10 to 12 is going to be willing to move up into that spot so um, yeah I, I, I think uh, I think by and large uh, I would I would expect the bills to stay at night all right 11th overall Cincinnati. Um, a brand new uh, regime
1: in Cincinnati with Zach Taylor running the show. Yeah, this is a tricky pick. I've seen them tied to quarterbacks a lot, and it makes sense. Um, but there's also the fact that when you've got, you know, sort of a rookie head coach and, you know, is he going to have the, the gall to, to jump in with a rookie quarterback or did he take this job thinking he could make something out of Andy Dalton? Um, if you think that then, then you've got quite the high opinion of yourself, but also you're picking at 11. So, um, you know, he's still got two years left. Andy Dalton still has two years left on his deal. Maybe you think that you can hold off, uh, on that guy. And, you know, so that's why at this value, I think Brian Burns, the edge rusher from Florida state makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, it makes sense for the Bengals to pick a quarterback, but we've seen teams hesitate to pull the trigger at that position, and the Bengals strike me as one of those teams that's going to be a little trigger shy to get rid of a guy like Andy Dalton, who, while is he's probably not a long-term franchise quarterback, he's just he's just maybe good enough to convince you that he is, and a rookie quarter a rookie head coach might. Just want to get in there and win some games. These are not
0: your fathers or brothers Marvin Lewis Bengals anymore, however. That's the, that's the only counterpoint to that. But but yeah, Burns for them. And Burns also represents something else too, I think, here. Um, he represents the last edge rusher before the fall. I mean, Sweat probably would have been if, if not for the the heart condition and also the Michigan state stuff, which has been creeping up the last week or so. Although I don't want to give too much credence to that just because there's probably a reason that's creeping up in the last week or so to, to, uh, you know, shed some bad light on him though. He did elect to turn down his previously accepted invitation to be at the draft. So that's probably a pretty good indication of what's going to happen on draft day. Um, Yeah. And then you have Rashawn Gary, who's got the shoulder stuff. Uh Cleland Farrell, who's probably a late round guy. It's just it's just a drop-off from Burns. And that's if you want to get a premier pass rusher, that's the spot, which is why that's what I was talking about with the Bills. Like if you're moving down from from nine, you better you you don't want to be moving too far. You're not gonna be trading down with Miami. There's no way Miami's moving up. Um for, for any well, I guess there is a way. There's always a way, but why what motivation does Miami have to move up to ninth overall this year? Um, and then, then once you get into the realm of like Atlanta at 14, Washington at 15, Carolina at 16, it gets dicey because if you move down too far, somebody else can jump up to get maybe an offensive lineman you had your eyes on. Like let's say they move down from nine and they think to themselves, all right, well, we'll just snap up Andre Dillard at, at 14 or 15. Call it a day. Get it, Get an extra pick out of it. You know, Carolina needs an offensive lineman like crazy, Minnesota, Houston, and those teams are all motivated to get something in place right now. So that's why I'm thinking nine, eh, probably not going to have it. Okay, 12, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, they are at the spot because they dealt with the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay moved up to seven to, to select TJ Hawkinson. They gave up 44th overall. They got back 69th overall from Jacksonville. So Duggernaut, Tom,
1: Dave, you're on the you're on the clock. Yeah, we missed out on Jonah Williams, but it worked out because the other two offensive tackles are still on the board that that make a lot of sense. We're gonna go with Jawan Taylor, the the local kid out of Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, he's nasty in the running game, and everybody knows that that Tom Coughlin likes to to build things with the running game, and so I think he can jump in and, and help us right away um you know in that department and works out that we we moved up uh into the second round and still get the guy that we might have taken at number seven anyways and uh yeah Juwan, i think truth be told i think he fits the jags really
0: really well um and i think he'll slot right in and and be their starting right tackle from here on forward and i think they still want to give cam robinson some run at left tackle that maybe not sold uh trying to move on from him too quickly. But yeah, I think I think that's a solid pick for them. And I wouldn't even rule them out of taking him at seven. Um, so that's, that's good, as the kids would say, value there. All right, 13, um, Matthew Fairburn, again, Miami. This is the last of your conglomeration. Although, I've got a phone call for you. And it's not from somebody that I have. It's from the LA Chargers. Wanting to know... Hey Miami, want to talk turkey?
1: We absolutely do, and without showing our hand, we're we're a little bit desperate to do so. To be honest <laughs> with you, I mean, you know, we're we're really trying to move out of this pick, collect more picks. Um, probably going to cost you a, a future one to move up that far, potentially. We'll, we'll see what you're what you're offering here.
0: Well, as the Dolphins, who are who would you be looking at
1: here? That's really none of your business. Uh, and. <laughs> A <laughs> little offended that you would even ask that, and so.
0: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on hold. I'm no longer the Chargers. I'm now just the person pushing along the conversation. Who would you be thinking about here if you're the
1: Dolphins? It's you know you're probably in the Cleveland Farrell uh, oh, conversation no. at this point, right? I mean, there's Montez Sweat. You know, maybe Andre Dillard. Um, you know, it's. Really, kind of a you know maybe Rashawn Gary, DK Metcalf. It's into. It still a, feels
0: too early for all of those guys. It's
1: into a very muddied area. Except of the for draft, Dillard. I think you know Dillard is probably the best guy on the board, and you know maybe that's what what they would be doing. But man, it's it's not a good spot to be, especially because we all uh, seem to be in agreement that they're probably not taking a quarterback. I mean, Drew Locke wouldn't be a bad pick. I just don't think that the situation you would be putting them in would be ideal. So that's where, you know, they're open to open to moving down for a team that wants to get up ahead of Washington mm-hmm. or the giants ahead of, you know, right now, you know, I've got it on good authority that John Gruden and Mike Mayock are, are working the phones with Thomas Dimitrov and company, uh, you know, seeing if, well then seeing if, you know, maybe they can get up and ahead of Washington. So, this is good. This is a good spot for some some activity to to occur.
0: Okay. Well, how about this? Um, we here at the Chargers, we really want to move up to thirteen. We'll give you our our twenty uh, eighth overall selection to do it, which is uh, uh, that that'll get you there. Um, we will give you next year's first as well. However. We would like the third rounder this year in return for that. So we get 13 and 78. You get 28 next
1: year's first. We'll take it. We need all We need all the ammunition we can get in the 2020 draft. We're probably going to be tanking, but sometimes that doesn't go according to plan. And so, uh, you know, in case we win a few too many games with our, our new head coach, who we, we believe in strongly, then... You know, we're going to need that extra pick to potentially move up and, and get Tua. All right. Well, uh, the Chargers are now on the clock because
0: of some savvy business. Uh, really gave up on the third that quick, huh? Just yeah, screw no, it. Give me yeah, the first. We
1: need need <laughs> next year's one badly. Okay. And, you know, I think that's where, look, if things go wrong with Phillip Rivers, if that team's not built to contend this year, you know, having an extra one, especially when we're so locked into a quarterback next year, you still want to have some flexibility. We still got 28. We're still feeling pretty good about it. Maybe we sacrifice a little bit on the value chart, but it's also hard to hard to say, uh, you know, where things stand on the value chart because next year's one, you know, that that could swing a lot of different ways, and we're willing to take the risk because this is a long long term build here in Miami. So this is a this is a
0: tremendous trade for Los Angeles, by the way, because they get they get up to 13. They still have their second round pick. They add a third round pick, so now they have the ability to add three players that can impact their roster. Um, and then at uh, at they they are able to have some flexibility at 13th overall. So with the 13th overall pick, Tom Telesco, the San Diego chart sorry, Los Angeles Chargers GM, si- says we are sitting here taking Drew Locke, the Missouri quarterback, and and not allowing Washington, Oakland, the New York Giants. Anybody to move up to get him, so uh, so that's that's the pick, um, and I think a great situation for Drew
1: Lock. Yeah, I think that is basically perfect for the Chargers, perfect for Drew Lock, and you know I I think it's also the Dolphins are going to be somewhat desperate to get down, mm-hmm. and so getting an extra one is is a good way to do it, and you know they can probably get a similar player to what they would be looking at anyways mm-hmm. uh, late in the first round, so. Um, overall, I think it's a win, 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 win for Drew Locke, win for the Chargers and a win for the Dolphins who are looking very long term, I think, mm-hmm. uh, in their build.
0: All right. Next up the Atlanta Falcons at 14th overall. I have them. Um, and, uh, yeah, we here we're open for business. I mean, Daniel Jones sitting there, Dwayne Haskins
1: sitting there. If anybody's looking to move on up, then, then we're here. Um, Anybody? I think the Houston Texans would probably get on the horn at some point with Andre Dillard still sitting on the board. I think they would too. Same
0: thing with Carolina. I think same thing with Minnesota. Um, but, yeah, it, the the whole emphasis would be to move ahead, to get ahead of Carolina. So
1: so they're not going to be necessarily in uh, you know a desperate need to get ahead of Washington. Mm-hmm.
0: But Carolina is the one, you Carolina
1: sitting there and Washington, you know, maybe not willing to move because, you know, they're they're fearful of uh, missing out on a quarterback. Uh, the question is, what what exactly is it going to cost to get up to number fourteen?
0: Are We're talking about Houston. Yeah. OK, Houston. Uh, it'll cost you. It'll cost you. Let's see. In order to get up there to take your left tackle to to uh, protect the guy that you have invested your entire future in, it's going to cost you twenty three, it's going to cost you fifty four, and it's going to cost you eighty six to go do it. One, two,
1: three, move on up. See the chart I'm looking at says that that's far too rich. <laughs> that's you know you're getting a little well a make little, a counter offer If you take the if you take the third round pick off the table, and you know, we can we can maybe throw in let's see, what picks does Houston have beyond that? They've got they've got a fifth. I, I think a fifth is a much a much more fair offer than a three because really twenty-three and either 54 or 55 should be enough to get it done but we need it we need to tackle badly so we'll throw in the fifth how about how about we do this how about you
0: give us 23 54 and then give us 2020's fourth round
1: pick that that we can we can deal with because let's face it if uh if we don't protect Deshaun Watson he might not live until 2020 so uh, we really need to make this happen and so we're we're gonna make that deal. All right. So the Houston Texans are on the clock, and I think we all know where this is going. Yeah, they select Andre Dillard. Uh, good value, I think, at that point. Uh, if he falls a little bit, somebody's gonna move up to get him because there are a lot of offensive line needy teams, and there's not, uh, you know, in that range, uh, teams that maybe would uh, that would pick him. So I think, you know, um, moving up to get him before the Panthers is probably the way to go. Mm-hmm. All right. And that brings up
0: 15th overall Washington on the clock and you have them to close out uh, this version of the pod mock. So what do, what does Washington do with that
1: 15th overall selection? Washington is such a weird team in this draft. I think, you know, you're probably looking at, um, you know, flirting with a, with a trade if you're Washington. Um, but, It all depends on how confident they are in what they have at quarterback. You know, are they going to take a guy like Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins, or do they feel pretty good about what they have uh, going at that spot? Case Keenum? Would you? (laughs) Well, I'm not Jay Gruden, and Jay Gruden has an odd opinion of what he has on his roster. I suppose, yeah. Can they get by with Case Keenum? Probably not. But, um, you know, will they. Uh, make it happen anyways, uh, maybe. But to me, I'm going to do what I would do because it's a pod mock. And oh, boy. Jay Gruden's not the host of this pod mock. You know, we are. So I'm going to go Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I think this is probably too far for him to fall. And if he does get there, then you're looking at a. Maybe you don't have to throw them in right away, and mm-hmm. you can give them some time. And though if Case Keenum's the guy, Dwayne Haskins will probably be starting. Yeah, probably long. by the end yeah. of September. Yeah. Um, but still, um, you know, it can give the appearance of patience. And mm. uh, I think it's just too good to pass up. Will they pick him? I have no idea. I don't. Um, I don't know Jay Gruden well enough to say. But I think. He's the best player on the board and, and a solid pick at 15.
0: All right, so the Padma concludes with the following pits, picks. Arizona, Kyler Murray at 1. Nick Bosa goes to San Francisco at 2. Quinn and Williams to the Jets at 3. Josh Allen to uh, uh, the Kentucky defensive end, um, Making no mistake, to Oakland at 4. Uh, uh, Tampa Bay takes Ed Oliver at 5th overall. 6th, the New York Giants select Christian Wilkins out of Clemson. 7th, the Green Bay Packers trade up to... Select T.J. Hawkinson, the tight end out of Iowa. Eighth overall, Detroit Stans Pat gets a great prospect in Devin White, the linebacker out of LSU. Ninth, Jonah Williams uh, heads to the Buffalo Bills to be their left tackle of the future. Tenth, Devin Bush goes uh, to the Denver Broncos. Uh, The 11th pick, Cincinnati, selects Brian Burns, the edge rusher out of Florida State. Twelfth overall, Jacksonville uh, moves back in that Green Bay deal. They get Jawan Taylor, the right tackle out of Florida. 13th overall, uh, the L.A. Chargers move all the way up, give up next year's first uh, to Miami in order to select Drew Locke out of Missouri. 14th, Houston moves up to uh, pick Andre Dillard out of Washington State, and then rounding it out, Washington selects Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State. Hey, you know what? I think this one is way more realistic than the one we did last year. I agree. If, if, if um, we're being fair.
1: Yeah, we didn't get too crazy. It's probably because we didn't have that jabroni tie done in here yeah, that's things probably right. you know we've got two level-headed uh reasonable people and you know that that helps make for a more realistic more realistic draft I think we discussed it a little bit but but what's the you know what are the other options I guess for the bills yeah. if it's not Jonah Williams that's what people are really here for yeah and I agree um you know we've we've mocked mocked away we've mocked till we drop here but you know I think there is a scenario where Ed Oliver, T.J. Hawkinson, and Jonah Williams are all gone. Mm-hmm. I think we're in agreement that those are probably their three, you know, the three strongest candidates potentially. I would, um, I would
0: probably put Dillard and Hawkinson on the same plane. I don't know what they would do in that instance. If, uh, you know, at ninth overall, if it was say uh, Oliver and and Jonah Williams were gone, if it's Hawkinson versus Dillard, I'm I'm still not sure I think where it's they would Hawkinson. go. I think
1: it's Hawkinson in that I, That's scenario. the way I knows? lean as well. Yeah. But I, I think they've been so bad at tight end for so long, and they've done so much to surround Josh Allen with talent that um, you just think they would continue that that effort with Hawkinson.
0: But there's there's also the the reason why I flip-flop with that, the, the argument of the depth of the tight end class in, also say, the, the third and fourth round, it, it's pretty strong. Um, as opposed to offensive line which effectively done their falls off a cliff on right. guys
1: like drew sample um yeah and you know guys that you know jay sternberger yep um dawson knox dawson knox they've they've kicked the tires on a lot of those guys noah font as well Trevon um, wesco i'm sure they've done some work on irv smith i know they saw him play live yeah twice three times i think brandon bean saw him twice and joe shane saw him so i mean that's another really strong uh candidate it's I think it's going to shape up to be an okay draft for the bills in terms of how value meets need. The one spot, I don't think I think it's possible that it doesn't work out at three technique defensive tackle. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the, the scenarios I've played out when I did that seven round mock draft, it was hard to find a scenario where they get a guy, unless you're really, you know, wishful thinking and forcing it. Um, like, is Jerry Tillery going to be there in the second round? Like, uh, probably not. Is he a perfect fit? Maybe not. The and
0: one the one thing I will throw in to the equation is,
1: are we sleeping on Christian Wilkins at nine? Possibly. Um, it, it's possible. I, I think, you know, that could be the dark horse if they want to fill that need. But in terms of their other needs, it could work out okay. Yeah. Um, which is why I think... You know, maybe they try to get by with with Harrison Phillips or a mid round pick at three technique defensive tackle. Maybe they feel pretty good about their ability to develop. Or, that
0: spot. or they could give up
1: a fifth round pick for Gerald McCoy, which I think would be a great move. Yep, uh, I agree, one hundred percent. I think you have a he's a good leader. He's a mm-hmm. guy that you'd be happy to have. They um, need
0: that along the defensive line because Jerry Hughes is is really really good, but. He's got a tad bit of crazy to him. His his teammates gravitate to to him, but you talking about leader along the defensive line group? That's it'll it'll end up being Gerald McCoy.
1: Yeah, and you know, Star has got some of that in him as well. Harrison Phillips to some extent, but it's still a little bit early to count on him for that. So, yeah. I think getting Gerald McCoy for a fourth or a fifth is a solid move, especially when you have mm-hmm. as much capital in that. That range. You don't need all of those picks this year. They're not all going to make the roster. And who's to say that you can't, you know, maybe dangle a Sean McCoy as well um, right. and, and recoup some of that value, especially after signing TJ Yeldon. So it's going to be a busy weekend. And if it doesn't work out at, you know, three technique in the first round, it doesn't seem like it's going to work out in the second or third either. No. Just like the way that you look at the class, the way it shapes up. I gave them Daniel Wise, the guy from Kansas. Um, but that's a dart throw in the yeah, fourth round at right, that position. Right. So I think offensive tackle, you know, there's some guys that you can get in the second round that you're happy with. Um, but but you don't know
0: if they're going to amount to anything. Like the the tier that we're talking about here are Dalton Reisner, Caleb, uh, McGarry. Caleb McGarry, Greg Little, Titus Howard. You know what all four of those
1: guys have in common? They all play right tackle. And, and, then, and they I, don't give you that flexibility the other side. And Ty and Seke could play left tackle, but they seem to think he's a right tackle. Right. So it's it's funny. We'll get a, a really strong idea. Actions always speak louder than words. So we'll see how they feel about, you know, a whole host of guys this weekend. If they feel like they really need a wide receiver, um, you know, we're going to find that out. Um, I think 40 is the sweet spot for that. And I do. 40 is the sweet spot for a lot of things, which is why I've kind of come full circle and thought, Look, I get the idea that you want your elite blue chip prospects. I don't know if one's going to be there at nine. And if, if not, um, they should do everything they can to get back and get into a range where maybe... Oh, you're talking about moving up from 40? I'm talking about moving back from oh, nine. Okay. Um, if, if you can and get yourself two, maybe three picks. Uh, you know, More picks in the top 100, as I've said, but m- more so than that, get yourself into an appropriate range If you miss out on, you know, these guys that are viewed as blue chip guys on the top of your board. I guess it all depends on what you view to be
0: worth it in order to do that. Because I don't think a third round is worth. I don't think I
1: don't think so. If you're getting a
0: second round pick, then sure, maybe. But I don't know that I'm doing it for a three. And if you if you move back legitimately into the, you know, let's say 16 through 32 range, if you move there, then you're not. You're missing out on that tier of prospect that you would have been getting if you were to stand pat. And odds are you're not going to move down from nine to twelve or nine to fourteen. For I mean, you're not going to get a second round pick out of that. So at that point, is it worth it to you to not just sit there and take your guy? So that's why I don't know. I I get what you're saying. I just I don't think for where this franchise sits right now, it would make all the sense in the world for them. I think if maybe you have a situation where Oliver, um, Williams, Hawkinson, uh, and Dillard are all off the board, maybe, maybe you consider moving down, but I don't think that's gonna happen. I think one of those guys are gonna end up being there.
1: Yeah. And, and it, even throw Wilkins in there. It too. depends how they feel about Dillard. If he's in that range for them, then they probably don't move down because they they fear missing out on a guy like that. If they feel like they can move back put themselves in Noah Font territory or DK Metcalf territory. The thing is if they move back, the strategy changes completely. I oh think. yeah, completely. Because all of a sudden you might start looking at different positions and, you know, different scenarios. And then if you've got, you know, more picks in the top sixty, say you get an extra top sixty pick, uh, you know, then you're probably not looking at offensive tackle and you're maybe thinking, all right, maybe we can get Caleb McGarry. That's a guy that they did a lot of work on. Um, Brandon Bean was at his pro day and, you know, they put him through a workout. So I think, you know, that's a a guy that, you know, you feel, okay. Um, if we move back, you know, that's a spot that, you know, maybe we think we can get him, get a wide receiver, get a tight end. And now we've filled three offensive needs. But again, that's why I still think you're putting yourself in a weird spot in terms of filling what I think is their main need at three technique defensive tackle, unless they really think. They can get by with Harrison Phillips at that spot. I just don't know I don't that think, they've ever thought that.
0: I think about him. Yeah, I think he in their minds he's a one tech. And if all else fails, they're gonna find somebody in the secondary trade market to or sign somebody because people are going to get released as well uh, as soon as the draft is done. So I, I don't think they're they're that um, they feel that much pressure to fill the three tech. I think if the only way that we see them moving up is if ed oliver gets to say you know you know we discussed it during the pod mock, them in tampa bay ended up not coming to fruition but 7 i think 7 is the spot where you can conceivably get up draft your guy and uh and you know maybe give up your third get a fourth back something like that but but yeah that 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 would be the only way that they would feel i guess the pressure to to go in and fill that void. Other than that, I mean, like I said, Gerald McCoy, you can go trade for him. Tampa Bay wants to release him potentially down the stretch or maybe you play it that way and wait for him to get released. But if you wait for him to get released then there you run the risk of him signing elsewhere. So, I don't know. I I think he would be a tremendous
1: fit for this roster. I really do. I know some people say he's taken a step back. I have not watched him. Me neither. Uh, I don't think I've watched a Buccaneers game in the last two years. Um,
0: You know what he is, though? Did the Bills play the Buccaneers a couple years ago? So, yeah,
1: I guess I did watch one Buccaneers game. You know what
0: he is? He's better than Jordan Phillips.
1: Yes. And I I would trade for him tomorrow. I would trade for him right now uh, if it was a fifth-round pick because— and he probably played on the same plane as Kyle Williams did last exactly. year. Exactly. Even if he's 70% of what he was, right. he was damn good at oh 100%. And so Still had like six sacks last that year. that is a better bridge than trying to get by with Harrison and Jordan Phillips. Yep. They love to have a rotation and they've had a lot of problems at that spot because Kyle Williams has slowly, you know, declined and you know now he's gone. So mm-hmm. the problem becomes even more pressing than it was and if it doesn't work out to where they get Ed Oliver um, or Christian Wilkins or, or whoever I do like Jerry Tillery I just don't know part of me thinks he would be a guy that they would they would be okay with um, personality wise he's really smart he's done some dumb things mm-hmm. but he's a smart guy um, Joe Shane big Notre Dame fan so do you know might, that might be partial to uh, to the Domers he's He's not a bad guy. He's just mm-hmm. done some dumb things.
0: The concern is whether or not he loves football from from many different scouting reports on him about whether where it ranked on his priority list.
1: And that's, you know, something that is going to be different for every team. And, mm-hmm, you know, sure. if if they sat down with the guy and, you know, didn't didn't buy in. You know, he also might be a late first round pick, in which case, you know, you're not getting him at the top of the second round. So, it's going to be tricky for them to, you know, navigate that need in particular if Ed Oliver's not on the board. But I do think Gerald McCoy would be a nice band aid solution, and uh, you know, maybe they can find another guy in the middle rounds that that develops into a bit of a gem. They did get Kwan Short in the second round once upon a time, so we'll see. But that's probably my most uh, that's probably at the front of my mind going into the weekend is how are they going to address that just with the way the value looks like it's going to stack up. Yep.
0: Um, and I believe if they can't address it at, in that first round, I think we could see them not address it whatsoever in, in the first three rounds. Uh, just, just the way that um, this class kind of plays out and the way they've been coming off the board and everything like, like that because that third-round pick is going to be a little bit too late for guys like Draymond Jones, Tristan Hill. Um, I think Tillery goes later than than uh, Forty, I really do. Um, I just don't know if he's their type of guy. That's that's my biggest uh, hang-up with him. And then you get into the realm of like Rennell Wren, but God, what the hell is Rennell Wren? Um, so, I think he's a
1: day three pick. Yeah, from- probably. Early day three guy sure and so yeah it's going to be a tricky need to address for Mm -hmm. them and it's one that it's not not an easy one to address by any means but like we mentioned you know there's trade options there's guys that could get released there's um there's always the the fact that they think they can develop these Mm -hmm. guys as well so we'll see but if that oliver gets to seven watch out bills fans because I think the Bills would
0: do everything in their power to move up to get him.
1: Yeah, I think Ed Oliver is the one that you know makes the most sense because you're able to check off that big need. He's going to be the best player on the board uh, once he gets past five. Um, and if that happens, then you know that changes everything for the Bills, I think, because they can move around. They can even, you know, whether it's LaShawn McCoy or somebody else on the roster, maybe Shaq Lawson or Deion Dawkins, If they're able to, if they have to give up a third um, to get up a few spots, they have the ammunition to probably get back into the third. Mm -hmm. And so um, we've seen Brandon Bean move around before, and it wouldn't be a shock to see him do it again. Certainly
0: would not. All right, so this has been the Pod Mock plus some uh, Bill's final thoughts uh, on the back end. We hope you have enjoyed this edition of it. Tyler done. Maybe we'll we'll uh, get you next year. Um, but uh, but yeah, well, this was good. This was a good thing. Um, so the next thing coming up, the NFL draft starts on Thursday. Um, your schedule with us, we will record um, the uh, our our first round podcast uh, that evening after the first round has concluded and all our work stuff is done. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, that'll be the next time we speak with you. And Then I think uh, we'll do it again on Friday, um, just because there will be a, you would think, a couple more players at least coming through uh, One Bills Drive, um, two One Bills Drive, we should say, and then, uh, and then maybe some uh, a big uh, wrap up summation of it n- next week sometime. All right, so that's gonna do it for us for now. Uh, for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you all for listening to the Bills Beat Podmock Edition, and we will talk to you after the first round concludes on Thursday. Talk to you then. See you.